Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor Podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. There I sat at the kitchen table with this Bible that my friend had given to me. And and as I said, I was raised Catholic. I had a sense of God on some level, even though I pretty much had walked away from God. And I sat at the table reading a Bible, which I had never, ever picked up a Bible. I didn't really know what I was doing at all. Now, I have to say this. My friend Sally was not only an extraordinary fisher of people for Jesus, she was an exceptional discipler or um she was to me anyway, um, when I finally, and this was a while later, I think I went to Bible study with her eventually uh, for like a year and a half before I ever went to a church service. But even when I went to Bible study and when I did go to church service, I mean, she was right there. Come, come on, sit with us, sit with us. Uh, she walked with me and to Bible study. Um, I met her there. She would sit next to me and just she was just my friend, and she was an exceptional discipler. And, and I have to tell you, I honestly thought that everyone had this kind of discipleship journey. It wasn't until years later, and and uh, I was called into ministry and putting things together in my own spiritual journey that I came to understand that this ain't the case, <laughs> that, uh, you know, we, we kind of want people to come to Jesus, but you know, don't necessarily walk with them. And probably that's also a driving force of why it is I feel called this day to walk with people as a coach, as a mentor, as a consultant. But anyway, back to my time at the table. I think she got me the Bible because I started asking her a lot of questions about the end of of time in, in, you know, when Jesus was going to return. And probably it was my own sense of desperation and my dark darkness um, that I was living that caused me to want an instant solution, you know, like don't we all, you know, I I did come to a point where I knew that it was going to take God some time to unpick all the knots that I had tied in my life. Although we all want instant, uh, instant rescue, don't we? (laughs) Boy, that's for sure. So I was at at the table with my Bible and I was really taken with John in the passage in John 15 about you are the vine, I am the branches, and I so wanted to be part of the branches. And I knew enough about Christianity. I had done, as they called it back in the day, CCD, um, you know, Catholic Christian doctrine. You know, we'd go on Saturdays and learn stuff. So I, I, I was reading in John. I'm not sure how I made it to John first, but I did. And I got down to John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And boom, 
everything clicked and came together for me about what Jesus did and why Jesus did it. And there I was by myself at the at the table, and I was reading the Bible the way I had been instructed to read it. Don't just sit and read it, my friend Sally told me. You have to pause and pray beforehand and ask Jesus to open your eyes and open your heart to what God would say to you. She told me that was the magic key. So I, you know, I'm pretty compliant about a lot. I'm crabby, yeah, but <laughs> but I'm also pretty compliant about some things. And I had done that. And I felt that even though I was kind of looking and searching for, you know, when Jesus was going to come and rescue everybody, including me, when I got to that John 15, 13 piece, it just, it was overwhelming. And I asked Jesus to come into my heart and into my life. And, and God did. Um, I don't have a date. I have an era where I felt like in all of my spare time, and I had a um, a child that was almost a year old and one that was closing in on three. Well, no, I think he was three at the time. I had this time where I would read in my spare moments when they were napping or something and would just read and cry and read and cry and read and cry. And it was over a period of a few months. And it was at that time that um, the sign appeared on my refrigerator because I needed reminding, God don't make no junk. I'm a writer, uh, you know, with lots of experience now. And I, uh, (laughs) yeah, I like the double negative in there. It just kind of made me chuckle. But the message was clear, and it was a message that I needed desperately to see. I would like to take a moment to caution some of the listeners or or at least give a, a raise a yellow flag maybe that's that's a caution right i did along the way confide to a pastor of what was going on in my household and that pastor told me to go back home because maybe that was satan's last last ditch effort to ruin my family And so I did. And I did not know some of what we know today about abusive situations and how they escalate. They don't ever, you know, get, it doesn't get better unless there's really some serious intervention that happens. But typically what happens is the abuse and the violence kind of just grows. I think some of that is too, because you keep yourself in that situation and you empower the other person. That's just my guess. I'm not, I'm versed in a lot of things, you know, family systems theory and a lot of other kind of dynamics. But uh, that, that one pastor was massively incorrect. I mean, if you're listening to this and you are, or you know, someone who is in uh, an unsafe situation in their household, I would urge you to either get out or uh, separate yourself, be safe, as we're saying a lot these days. And uh, if you have a friend or family member that's in that situation, uh, you are you need to help somehow. I, I don't know what that looks like in everybody's situation. I really don't. But after that pastor stepped back, another pastor came in and he found help for me. After a more violent 
uh, situation in my home, I approached his wife and was just in a very distraught emotional state. And she and her husband both found a safe place for me. They found a congregant that had some extra space in their home. And that's where I was uh, with my sons for a short period of time until I discovered that my home had been vacated. And I took my sons back there for at least a while. But along the way then too, um, Sally and Rob, actually, that's her husband, they ended up helping me further and they found me a more permanent situation to live in. However, you know, as these things go, uh, it was a senior citizen couple that lived in a uh, trailer that was set on a couple of acres and one of them got sick so they couldn't move as quickly as they had wanted to. But also at the same time, uh, Rob at work knew of a, a woman that was wanting to live um, on her own but really didn't want to be totally alone, wasn't used to that idea. And I don't know how he got Dee Dee to agree to live with somebody she didn't know who also had two little boys. I mean, it the story fast forwards a bit here because they were three and five uh, in there when um, when I was contemplating a lot of this kind of thing. And the, Dee Dee was... I'm telling you, I don't know. She was a brave woman, I guess, but it helped me a lot financially. But I couldn't move in. We couldn't move in for a period of time. And uh, what was happening in my home was it was uh, being, the nice way to put it, released back to the bank. You know, I'm a, you know, a stay-at-home mom and, you know, I had to figure something out. And, uh, and I wasn't, stupid, even though I had sort of at that era really bought into um, my ineptitude. Um, but I was busy trying to live into the fact that I was God's beloved child and that I had value, even though it still was a challenge for me at time, at times. So Sally and Rob took me and my two sons and little tiny dog in until the um, the trailer where Dee Dee and I were going to live became available. And it was a total of three months. Now, you know, I look at that now and well, I looked at it then and I thought that was pretty huge of them to offer their home as a sanctuary for all of us. And at the same time, I had decided because I knew of another a gal that had done this of going back to finish my college degree. I had an associate's degree that I finished at age 18 and I needed I knew I needed to go back to school or something. So uh, so there I am going back to school at the same time that uh, we moved in with um, Sally and Rob and I was doing the social service dance where, I was getting Pell Grants and some food stamps and those kinds of things and navigating all of that in its um, abject humiliation, actually. And uh, today it's a little better. They give uh, people a card and, you, you know, today we don't know the difference what you're swiping there. 
But when I was doing the uh, thing, I would go when there weren't that many people around. And I would use, you know, you had to tear out these little coupons and give it to them anyway. So I met Sally and Rob's house at the, you know, three months. And I guess I have a grander appreciation of this because uh, since COVID, um, I've had some family living in my home uh, for more than a year and uh, it's COVID related story and stuff. And, and um, I, um, I've been really humbled and thankful uh, once more, many, many years later. So I lived at their home and they had uh, two daughters that were around 12, 13, 14 in there. And Sally tried really hard to be my friend. I remember one time I was downstairs struggling over a physics textbook because that's what I was initially. I was a math major and I had done lots of math and I was very, very good at it. As in by the time I was 18, I had done calculus one, two, three, and four and with really good grades. And here it is so many years later, I'm going back to school and I decide, well, I guess I'm going to get back on the math train here. And it was very uh, devastating to me that the math that I knew, like the back of my hand, was somehow it was harder to resurrect it in my brain, even though I was like, well, now we're talking mid-20s-ish in there. And it was a challenge. And I remember being downstairs in a quiet space at a desk and literally crying over my physics uh, homework, <laughs> literally crying. And uh, Sally came down for laundry or some other reason and came in and, and talked to me. And she said, she said these words to me. She said, I know you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. And while she's saying those words and speaking that over me, I'm thinking, you know, this is where the, the crabby part comes in, I guess. I'm thinking, oh, seriously, do you know what I'm even trying to do here? I can't even remember, you know, how to do this, how to do that. I used to know all of this stuff. And it's just so overwhelming that now I'm having to really chug back through it. But I still remember those words spoken over me. You can do this. I think I waffled in and out of a level of depression and while during the three whole months that I was there. And I remember one day we were standing around the counter in the kitchen, Sally and myself, I think her husband was there, maybe one or two of her daughters were there and, and my boys were there. And they kept me talking at the counter an awful long time. And I'm like, what is going on? And my little dog, um, Bambi, was it was a little tiny cockapoo thing. It, you know, it's bouncing. It had like springs on its hind legs, I'm sure. And it's bouncing almost the height of the countertop. And I could see the dog on the other side bouncing a little bit. And I thought, oh, that dog. And they proceeded then to pick the dog up and show me that they had taken hot pink uh, spray, not like paint, but like what you used to spray in your hair is a temporary thing. And they had basically put hot pink polka dots all over my little dog and I had not even noticed it. So Sally, then on my birthday, she must have called everybody she knew at church or something. And and I was still going to some Bible study then, I think. And 
she had everybody send me a card that year and they made a really big deal about my birthday and you know massive candles you know at a time where i didn't feel like i was pedaling very well on the bicycle of life that's for sure even though i was desperately trying to move forward and uh it was uh very challenging time but they did their very very best to make me feel welcome make me feel like i was momentarily part of their family and i think it was through fall but it was after christmas no i take that back it was early december when my boys and i were able to move out and move in with not only into the place where where sally and rob had found for me but also where they had found a um a roommate for me, Dee Dee. And I think I'm going to leave this here and I will carve out for you <laughs> the next uh, moves that all these people that God had surround me with their love and care, how they all put feet to their faith, put feet to their love for another person who was in um, desperate straits and how that really still resonates and has impacted me in such a way that that, along with my journey as um, a pastor, as a leader, as someone who led several churches to merge, you know, when I thought, oh my goodness, I think I want to minister to other people in um, ministry leadership and encourage them because they're tired and worn out and, and burdened and, and all of these kinds of things, you know, I want to remind myself that my roots for this go much deeper, that God sowed into my heart and into my soul this care because of the care that I had received many, many years ago, many years ago. So I'm going to leave us right here and we will continue the story next time. Hey, Thanks for listening. It is my deep desire and passion to champion issues of sustainability in ministry and for your life. So I'm here to help. I stepped back from pastoral ministry and I feel called to help ministry leaders uh, create and cultivate sustainability in their lives so that they can go the distance with God and whatever plans that God has for you. I would love to help. I would consider it an honor. And in all things, make sure you connect to these sustainability practices, you know, so that you don't become the crabby pastor. <laughs>